Warning, this episode of Seeking Tumness contains offensive language, adult themes, callback jokes where you never hear the reference and bad accents. I still recall from the books I read All the great empires built in my head But every year I raise one more I bought it all and wardrobe door But I, I'm still seeking tumbling I'm still seeking tumbling Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Seeking Tumnus, the podcast where we march bravely into the uncanny wilds of contemporary adolescent fiction, and on alternating episodes, revisit the books of our youth. My name is Laurie, and I'm joined by my fellow hosts, the fearless Bree. Hello. The relentless Patrick Moon. Hello. Uh, Bree sounded sort of questioning there. Is that, is that me? <laughs> Fearless, you say? <laughs> the ironically fearless. It's an alias, what can I say? <laughs> and the gregarious Keith Rowe. Hello. We've shaken up the formula this episode with Keith having chosen a book that we deliberately did not read in advance. What's in store for our listeners, Keith? What do I have in store for you? Well, chances are if you've downloaded this podcast, you've probably read the title, in which case you know what this episode is all about. So I'm not going to bury the lead here. We're looking at... Choose Your Own Adventure books. Now, if you don't know what these books are, they're adventure stories, but the difference here is at each juncture, you're presented with two or three options that will shape the way the story progresses. The choices you make along the way will decide how the story ends, so each of the books has many possible outcomes. My memory of these books is reading them in my primary school library, but I don't remember anything in particular about the stories themselves. So what I'm kind of wondering is, is there any substance to the books, or is it just the gimmick that made them popular? A quick bit of history about the Choose Your Own Adventure books. They were the brainchild of a New York lawyer, Edward Packard, and he developed the idea in the 60s reading the stories or reading stories to his children. Initially, he called them The Adventures of You. Along the way, he teamed up with another author, R.A. Montgomery, and together they printed some of these books, and Montgomery later attracted a larger publisher, Bantam. I really like the way that they helped these books become very popular. Basically, they seeded libraries across America with thousands of copies of these books. It makes sense that this fostered this popularity because once you read these books, there's definitely something different about them and it's exciting being able to choose as a child which way the story goes. So getting back to what I have in store for the listeners, this episode we're actually going to do a live read-through of a Choose Your Own Adventure book. I'll keep it as simple as possible, but basically, Laurie, Pat and Bree, you'll be the lead protagonist and you'll be choosing along the way which path to take. I'll try to keep note of all the selections, so if we come to a premature ending, we can go back and resume the journey. I'll limit the number of endings so that we don't go on forever, and it's up to you guys to fill the dead air time with insightful chatter whilst I flick from page to page. Can you handle that? Um, these headphones are really making it difficult for me to do this. Uh, He came to a premature ending, I think. (laughs) (laughs) When he was talking about the adventures of you, I wonder if he was referring to the erotic series from New Zealand. (laughs) The the premature ending thing strikes a chord because the only thing that I actually remember about these kinds of books is sitting on the floor in the library and having to, like, keep my finger in the page that I just turned from. Uh, in the event that I didn't really like the the ending I'd come to, I, only one finger, <laughs> <laughs> which was frequent, right? Because they have a, an absurd amount of endings. It's there's really I think only one probably that is the optimal one. So yeah, it seemed like if if you were playing them how I envisage they're actually meant to be played, where you just kind of go through and don't backtrack, that it would be the most frustrating experience humanly possible. You would have to k- keep turning back. Uh, keep restarting the entire thing over and over again, like hundreds of times to actually come to any kind of satisfying conclusion. Well, we'll find out tonight, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I seem to recall that the options were never, like, they didn't seem 
to to follow like you'd say all right so you do you exit the bank or do you hide under a table you think all right i hide under a table and it's like the the table explodes and yeah, you die definitely definitely yeah. <laughs> okay you, you can't just cheap out with the uh with the safe options because you always end up regretting it yeah, I'm curious as to how our conversations are actually going to go. We'll talk through all of the, the logical outcomes of the scenario and it's just like, oh no, a goblin jumped out and cut off your dick. Bet you didn't see that coming. That could happen. <laughs> Did you used to pick it based on whether you were feeling safe at the time or whether you were like, I don't know, trying to re- live through the character that you were reading about? Well, that's what I think when I would read them. Initially, you'd start off taking the logical option, but quickly you would you know, lose yourself in... In the the uh, the premature ending, so I would absolutely <laughs> find myself under the table every time. <laughs> there's there's multiple books, Keith. You said that we've got to choose. Yeah, that's right. So um, I actually did do a, a test read through of one of them, and I think we'll leave that one out of the selection. I was a little bit too tempted to go with some uh, horrible horrible um, accents on that one. So we've got I've got a couple of books here to choose from, guys. So. First up, we've got Lost in the Amazon. Then we have Mystery of the Maya. And finally, Lost Jewels of Nabuti. Are they all based in South America or a, a fake <laughs> South American Amazonian Brazilian thing going on? I was going to say, are they all like mildly racist? Or <laughs> It depends how I read them, but quite possibly. <laughs> well, what was that last one again, Keith? It was the Lost Jewels of Nabuti. 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 All right. You know, I'm actually interest, I'm interested in Well, we Nabuti. can see where you children want to go with that. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Stop bringing down the tone. <laughs> in, in terms of the covers, we've got uh, a giant spider on the Lost in the Amazon. We've got uh, some kind of tribal-looking blue creature on the mystery of the Maya and Nabuti is a a rather venomous looking snake. Oh. And you don't give us like any further information. That's just his. My vote always (laughs) goes to the snake. Ich mag die Spinner, the spiders. (laughs) We're going to switch into German for the the rest of the podcast. (laughs) Nine. I like like, uh, Nabuti. Yeah. All right, Nabuti it is. Nabuti, let's get Nabuti on. Oh, uh, did we decide whether or not we're going to do rotating or we're all deciding as a group? Is that what you I said? Think, uh, I think uh, by committee. All right. Gonna, committee it we is. Can, we can yell at you when you die. <laughs> what were you thinking, Laurie? <laughs> I was just going with popular opinion. <laughs> Every time you make the choices, we get our dick cut off by goblins. <laughs> You're going to be disappointed when that doesn't happen, aren't you, Pat? <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit disappointed, but... You never know, though. Maybe you could just write that bit in. <laughs> Sounds like you're jumping ahead to the week where you do The Hobbit. <laughs> I don't remember Which Hobbit part. are you reading? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's John Wayne Hobbit. Bobbit, the Bobbit. The Bobbit, well indeed. Okay, let's All right, get this on. Without further ado, Keith... Halfway through your summer vacation, you get an urgent telegram from your cousins, Peter and Lucy. Need your help finding the jewels of Nabuti. Fly to Boston at once. Bring passport. Danger. Be careful. Peter and Lucy. After reading the telegram several times, you are still puzzled. You remember the jewels. Who could forget them? The two diamonds shone like the sun's reflection off a glacier, and the two rubies were like the eyes of a jungle creature at night. Peter's father had bought them from a trader in Morocco many years ago. Peter and Lucy tell you the jewels have been stolen from a museum show in Paris. What can you do to help your cousins find them? You pack your bags and leave your house in New Orleans and fly to Boston. You glance over your shoulder, nervously searching for followers. Peter and Lucy meet you at the airport. We don't have much time, Peter announces. If you agree to help, take the plane to Paris tomorrow afternoon. From Paris, you'll fly to Morocco. You'll have to hurry. But, Peter, you complain, I don't understand what this is all about. You will when you read this letter here. It reads... The jewels of Nabuti are four keys to the hidden wisdom and wealth of a secret African tribe. Those who have the jewels either enjoy health and fame or they suffer agony beyond belief. The current owners of the jewels must guard against their being lost or stolen. They must wait to hand them over to the appointed messengers of Nabuti. Loss of the jewels could mean death. You are puzzled by the letter. Peter and Lucy try to reassure you, 
but the truth is that their lives have been threatened if they continue to search for the jewels. They have asked you to search for the jewels because you are unknown to the thieves. You will be relatively safe, as safe as anyone can be, on the trails of the jewels of Nabuti. If you agree to go on tomorrow's plane for Paris, go to the next page. If you demand more time, information and extra help, turn to page nine. Oh, man. Well, obviously you're going to go to page nine. This is this is heavy. Well, not, <laughs> I don't want information. I want adventure. The first choice is the most difficult, right? Or the most important. What if you're sort of a, a cocksure adventurer? You're just going to press on. I don't need help. I don't need information. I am going to seek out some Maya fucking jewels. I am eight and I can rule the world. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty sure that, is it Peter and Lucy? I think they're also six years old, so we better rush to their rescue. <laughs> a row of taxi meet you, meets you at the entrance to the airport. You and your strange companion jump in one and roar off to the centre of Paris. The ride is fast and dangerous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the taxi ride. <laughs> That's because they're driving in Paris. You know Have you guys seen how small the streets are? <laughs> we got way heavy then because uh, I'm on page eight. So let's go to nine. Hey, I can't just hop on another plane. I just don't know enough about what's happening. Peter looks at you and shrugs his shoulders. I don't blame you. Let's get back to my house. Wait a second. I've completely just... Fuck this up royally. You've, 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 have, have you given us both options? I've given both options, but then I've thanks. Then I've chosen. I've gone straight to the option that you didn't choose. Yeah. And well, at least we know like nothing blows up immediately on on either of them, which is always a good sign. And you go on a fast car ride. Keep a note of that. Page eight for later. A goblin grins menacingly from the corner. <laughs> he looks cock hungry. Um, so it actually, the problem was that I was just going to the next page for the first option. So let's go, let's go to the next page. I, I was eager to turn the page. And that was my undoing. Uh, fasten your seatbelts. Put your seatbelts in an upright position. Turn off all electronic devices. Flight 231 for Paris is now ready for takeoff. The flight attendant explains about emergency procedures, but you listen with only half an ear. Then there is the roar of the jet engines as the plane rushes down the runway and leaps into the air. Turning away from the small plane window, you notice that the person sitting next to you is doodling on a pad. Long, narrow fingers grasp the gold pen tightly. They are bloodless white. What is creepier still is that they have no nails. You sneak a closer look at his face and see eyes that reflect no light, a thin mouth showing no lines at the corners and a closely shaven jaw. A moustache hides a scar that runs from the nostril to the corner of the mouth. You look down and see that the scribbles on the pad are diamond-shaped. They seem to spell out the word... Nabuti. A shiver of fear races through you. you. This cannot be a coincidence. The person next to you certainly knows who you are. He too must be looking for the missing jewels. Fatigue overcomes your fear and you fall into a troubled sleep. When you waken, you are over the English Channel descending towards Paris. Would you care to share a taxi into Paris, my friend? It is the man next to you. You start at his words as though a knife were tickling the back of your neck. Why, I, I, I don't know. Where are you going? <laughs> Knife with tickling the back of your neck. Like, it's <laughs> kind of descriptive writing. It's beautiful. It's a pretty lame way to delay your answer, but you need to do some fast thinking. The stranger fixes you with an eerie stare and says, We are searching for the same thing. I need your help and you need mine. You have a sudden vision of a strange man beckoning you into his taxi. Uh-huh, there it is. <laughs> if you accept this offer... For the cab ride, turn to page 8. If you make excuses and return and refuse his help, turn to page 12. Oh, man. This is, this is uh, it sounds like George Pell's beckoning you to the taxi. Yeah, I, I, I find myself uh, creeped out by this man. Yes. Which to... makes me think he, he's the good guy. Ooh, really? Do the good guys always have, like, the aura of a sex pest? In his... <laughs> <laughs> Depends what you're after. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I reckon we should tell him to take a hike. <clears throat> yep, I agree. I, I concur. Uh, hike taking right. it is. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can get this right. A large crowd gives you the perfect opportunity to escape. Deciding to avoid your companion, you duck into a phone booth. The crowd swirls around you and he's gone. Slowly you open the door, look cautiously around and step out onto the airport waiting room floor. There is a tap on your shoulder. You spin around. Standing there is a tall woman with intense eyes and a muscular midget in a tracksuit. 
He has a small laptop with him. (laughs) This had better not be the only she-raw moment in this entire thing. Come with us. We are going to help you with the jewels of Nabuti, the woman announces. Okay, okay, what is it? What do you know? She looks at you and then says, There is a jet waiting over in the private air terminal. It will take you to Morocco. Here is your identification. She hands you a small sliver of ivory with a design on it. Whoever sees it will give you help. Good luck. The midget grins in an evil way. He opens up the laptop so you can look inside. It's not a laptop at all. It contains a dagger with a sharp point. The dagger sends you a different kind of message than the kind you get over the internet. A very different message. If you go to the jet, turn to page 19. If you tell them that there must be some mistake and drift off into the crowd, turn to page 20. Hang on, when was this one published? We're talking about the internet and laptops. Great question. Great question. I don't know if... This is a 1982 uh, original. This is published in 2006. I don't know whether it, it got some of the um, the rework there. And Revisions! What was in there before the laptop? We'll never know. A payphone? I love the imagery of a, a muscular midget in a tracksuit. <laughs> <laughs> if only you could see the illustrations as well. <laughs> you know, I'm... I don't, I have no, what do we want to do? So either you go to the jet uh, or you tell them there must be some mistake and you, you drift off into the crowd. Or we could just continue for the next hour just drifting off into the crowd <laughs> as a, a series of escalatingly strange people accost us and tell us they want to help us. All right, the jet sounds good. Jet. Yeah, I'm on the jet. Let's get on the jet. Let's go where the muscular midget tells us to go. Uh, A beautiful and unusual jet plane sits in readiness at the private air terminal. It has silver and yellow wings and a bright red body. You are met by two large men in business suits. Follow us. Be quiet. There is no opportunity for hesitation or argument. Then you are up and away. Paris below looks like a small town or even a play city in a sandbox. Soon you are out at cruising altitude, flying across the Pyrenees, across Spain, then the coast of Africa looms under you. Puffs of smoke from the wheels hitting the runway at almost 250 kilometres per hour announce your arrival in Morocco. No one has said a word. You know no more than when you left Boston, except that quite a few people are on your trail. There are no friendly faces. There is no escape. This sounds ominous. (laughs) A black Mercedes limousine pulls up to the jet. A powerfully built man in dark clothes stands by the car, holding the door open. You are moved along with little or no chance to escape or even ask what's going on. Tires screech around corners. The car speeds towards town, rolling past hills filled with brilliant yellow, blue and red flowers. The limousine threads its way through narrow streets. It then stops in the shadow of the wall of the Medina, the great walled inner city of Tangiers, with its winding streets, dark, tunnel-like paths and exotic sounds and smells. The driver points to a small opening in the Medina wall. A blind woman sits by the opening, begging. When you walk by her, she spits at your feet. You jump back in disgust, but the driver just keeps pushing you on. In your pocket is a small ivory identification piece given to you in Paris as a sign that can be used to get help. You stop and pretend to tie your shoe. You look at the blind woman and you're sure she winked at you. Was that just a tick? Or maybe she's not blind and trying to signal you. This is compelling. (laughs) Do we get to choose an adventure soon? (laughs) Have we made our choice? I need a bit of biffo. It's a long and painful death that you're on the path of here. Yeah, <laughs> for the next 30 pages you read exposition and, and then a, a goblin cuts off our collective dick. And no one talks to you the whole way. So there's no, cho- there's no chance for accents from me. The ivory piece will bring you help. How badly do you need help now? Should you give the token to the blind woman or should you save it until later? If you give the ivory piece to the blind woman, turn to page 49. If you decide to keep it for now and use it later, turn to page 52. Blind women always yeah. see interesting things. Ooh. Um yeah, we're going for like the uh, the trope of the, the the wise disabled person here. You can't go wrong with that, really. Laurie <laughs> mm, sounds I'm, dubious, but it's too I'm, late because forty nine. Here we are. Instinct tells you to give the ivory piece to the beggar. You drop it into her outstretched hands. The moment the ivory piece is in her hand, she yells, "Aye, this isn't money." <laughs> <laughs> We die. (laughs) Two short but not midgets, wiry men in hooded robes step out from a small door in the wall. One of them shouts in English, We are your friends. Follow us. The other man wrestles with the huge man who drove the limousine. For a moment, you half decide to run away and then you go with them through the dark tunnels and streets deep into the Medina. You haven't the faintest idea where you are or what's going on. 
The ivory piece seems to have a strange and powerful effect on these people. In here, it is your new guide speaking. Seated at a small table is an old man with white hair and beard. He is smoking from a water pipe. Rugs are everywhere, hanging on the walls, rolled up and stacked in piles. Could this be the rug merchant that Peter and Lucy talked about? (laughs) Detective work. (laughs) Sit down. Do not be frightened, says your new guide. You sit. We have followed your trip from Boston. We know who you are and we want the jewels. Now give them to us. But I don't have the jewels, you protest. The old man rises and looks sharply at you. Look in the pocket of your coat. If you decide to obey him, turn to page 74. If you decide to run for the door, turn to page 76. Oh, man. Are we going to meet any friendly people? Like, are we just sort of being shuffled from abductor to abductor? It seems that way. <laughs> he, he did say they were your friends, though. They're just maybe not very nice friends. <laughs> uh, I think reading this as an adult, <clears throat> There's just so much sexual innuendo. Am I crazy? <laughs> Seriously, be, this dude's like, check crazy. out the two marbles in your pocket. That lady was <laughs> the just begging next to the hole in the wall. The hole in the wall. It's just, it's just laid in with the stuff. Anyway, go on. I, I run away. <laughs> no, no. Let's. I. I mean. I, I will show him the marbles, I think. I think that's So we've got one for the would... show and one for the go, and what's Bree? I'm out the door. Out the door? Oh, you're out the... Oh, you're both pansies. <laughs> yes, I told you I was under the table, hiding. <laughs> We're going to live to fight another day, Patrick. I'm also beginning to think that Peter and Lucy are non de plume for uh, Frank and Joe, so, you know, we'll see where we go with that one. Yeah, they're completely pointless, aren't they? It's the quality, so it's the quality detective work. There's a bunch of burly men waiting to kick the crap out of you standing outside the door so you know i i wash my mm. hands of the horrible Ooh. death that is about to i'm coming around to your us. point of view look we'll see what the first paragraph is and we can always come back that's what i used to like to do <laughs> yeah absolutely it's what i did as a kid we haven't lost a life yet not yet no you pretend to fumble in your pocket while you look for an escape route the old man sees through your ruse he stamps the ground and kicks angrily you dash for a rear door and burst through the door leads to a beautiful courtyard garden containing a dark pool filled with lotus flowers a fat, greasy man on the other side of the pool is sharpening scimitars on an old stone wheel. He takes, un- he takes one <laughs> unsmiling look, grabs a knife, and walks towards you. What the heck, you think? That pool is looking pretty good. You take a running leap and dive in, much to the fat man's surprise. He tries to motion you to stop. You ignore him and turn to swim when you notice a pair of eyes just above the surface coming towards you. That's a goblin. Crocodile. <laughs> More eyes converge on you as you thrash to escape the oncoming open jaws. Too late. <gasps> the oh, end. no. We died. You no. died. Patrick, what have you done? That. I feel, I feel vindicated in the washing of the hands. <laughs> yes, it was a timely statement, that one. All right. I bear no responsibility for this horrific <laughs> death at Crocodile. To be fair, I didn't predict that we would be torn apart by crocodiles if we tried to run away from... The strong man. So, I thought it was going to be a snake. Wasn't the Nabuti something to do with a snake? Yeah, it's been not a snake yet. Mm. Reptile, but snake, no. Um, so what we can do now is we can either go back to 49 where you decide to uh, go with a stranger or go from I d- a stranger. I decide not to leave Paris <laughs> and to seek more information. No, or, where was I? Well, yeah, we can go way back to that or we can go back to... Another stranger that you decide to go with or not go with? There's... Or we can just hand over our, our balls in the, <laughs> the room. Um, I, what do you think? Should we go back to the, the git in the last room asking us for our pair of jewels? <laughs> so instead of running, we stay with it. Don't you want yep. to see what's in your coat? Come on. Yeah, go on. All right. We flash our bits under our coat. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hmm. Incredible. They're in the coat pocket of the jewels of Nabuti. How did they get there? Who put them there? But that's not important. Didn't we come here looking for the jewels? Yes, like what's, that's right. What's the whole point of this excursion if they're already there? I'm, I'm absolutely lost as to what is actually meant someone, to be going Someone on. must have planted them in our pocket. Yeah. But why are they not important? I well, would, I well would... it's not important how they got there. Uh... The important thing is that they are there. They're bright, incredible, incredible powerful, and mysterious. Mm. Perfectly round and <laughs> perky, <Fine>. perky. <laughs> the old man smiles, takes them from your hand before you can do a thing, and says, "You have done well in returning the jewels of Nibuti to their rightful owners. Blessings will befall you. 
Your life will be rich with friends and adventure. Do not wonder how they came to you. It is all in the magic of the jewels. You were their messenger and helper. We thank you. As the old man speaks, you see him change form. He becomes younger, taller, and glows with a gentle gold radiance. You did the right thing. He is the king, the leader, the source of good. The end. That's absurd. <laughs> Is I that... liked the crocodile ending better. <laughs> yeah, that, that can't be the happy ending. Like, that can't Are you be the... serious? <laughs> All right, it was uh, nice talking, guys. So... <laughs> if we listened to Patrick, we would have snapped to that in one go. That's not at all how I remember the book. That can't be the, the best possible outcome, surely. There's no adventure or anything. Where's the yeah. snake? But that's, yeah, great question. I mm. need some snake before we finish this off. <laughs> I mean, how, how, how thick is that book? How hefty well, is it? There is an unprecedented 38 different endings. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember there being like four endings. Yeah, there is quite a varied number depending on the book, but they seem to be all or mostly like above 20. Wow. That's a lot of deaths, I assume, though. Or just weird, strange, premature, sort of happy, sort of not sure endings. Right. I'd imagine a lot of them must be just ridiculous sort of deus ex deaths where you run into a pool infested with crocodiles <laughs> for no particular reason. Well, there was a guy with a giant sword of some description. Yeah, but why was there a pool filled with crocodiles? <laughs> In the middle of Morocco. <laughs> uh, so what... Um... So, so we can go back to the previous decision or we can go way back when to uh, choose... The midget... The midget... Muscular midget in a tracksuit. Oh yeah, yeah let's get some good call. Muscular, muscular midget, midget action. All right, let me find the muscular midget. Can you please give him a voice? Oh yeah, voice him up. <laughs> well, he yeah okay yep yep. I, I, I shall do my best. Be offensive at all? Yeah. Well, can you be offensive to a muscular midget of nondescript um, ethnic background? <laughs> I think you can actually. I, <laughs> It concerns me. We're about to find out. (laughs) They don't feel anything. You just don't sing We Represent the Lollipop Guild because... (laughs) Cut that. (laughs) No. Cutting it. Go on. Okay, okay, we've got the midget. You have to see the... It looks like he's wearing like a, um, a hoodie. I think this is a contemporary... Addition to the story, I think, with along with the laptop and the internet, this midget's been written in for no reason. But that that terminology isn't PC, is it? Midget. Yes, don't think so. Small person, person of small stature. So how about we update it to 2015? (laughs) Person of small stature is standing next to the lady with the English accent. (laughs) The person of small stature grins in an evil way. It just doesn't have the same effect, does it? (laughs) No, not not quite. He opens up the laptop so you can look inside. It's not a laptop at all. It contains a dagger with a sharp point. The dagger sends you a different kind of message than the kind you get over the internet. A very different message. Step one, put a hole in the box. Go on. <laughs> Step two, put a dagger in the box. <laughs> Go on, Keith. So we're, we, at last time we, we uh, went to the jet. So this time we'll be drifting off into the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. So that like, probably... We're becoming drifters like Hobo Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Throwback. That could Go be on. the end of the, the midget now that we've drifted away, but let's see. Person of small stature, Keith, come on. Yes, that, that too. I'm sorry, this must be a mistake. You have the wrong person. I don't know anything about jewels of, uh, what did you say the name was? Jewels of Natutsi or Majuxi? <laughs> the woman looks at you with a puzzled expression. She pulls out a small whistle and blows it. It's a silent oh, whistle no. designed for dogs. Within oh, seconds. It's a rape whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Within seconds, you are surrounded by French police and hustled off to a small room. Uh-oh, Frenchies, where you are questioned for two hours. They I want that you, accent. They accuse you of being a smuggler. But I've never smuggled anything in my life. Search me. The two police officers on either side of you do a quick but complete search. Am- I disagree. You are a smuggler. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. In a jacket pocket, they discover a small packet. When it's opened, you are shocked to see a very large uncut diamond. So, you are a smuggler. Well, well, what do we have here? This is mere nothing, eh? What is this outrageous accent? You know smuggling diamonds from countries in Africa is an international crime? What do you have to say for yourself now? That is the worst. That's exactly what they sound like. Oh, that's bad. These are the police. Come on. (laughs) It might be Interpol. You've kind of got an international generalist thing going on there. 
did she blow like a silent dog whistle and the police came? Oh, <laughs> oh. well, that's that's what happened. Yeah, so I don't know the French dog police uh, with bad accents. If you tell them about the jewels of Nabuti, turn to page thirty-seven. If you ask to call the American embassy for legal help, turn to page forty. Oh, the embassies, they're both really boring. Like, they're both authoritative. I don't, I don't care for either option. I don't think the embassy would answer to a dog whistle, though. <laughs> I, I don't think calling the embassy is the type of choice that they encourage in, in choose-your-own-adventure texts. Mm. Well, well, so the, you're confessing your soul to the French police, then? Let's do it. Oh, well, that, that sounds... Oui, oui, mon amour. <laughs> Captain, let me explain. Give me a chance. This is all a dreadful mistake. I need your help. The police captain looks at you and a knowing smile crosses his face. We are always here to help. <laughs> what help do you require? No, I have to stop. You sound like a, what are they called? A Numodian? Noimodian from Star Wars Episode 1? <laughs> yeah, I, do, I know the ones you're talking of. I don't right. know the exact species, I, but I know no, the I see you right. as René from Allo Allo. See, there you go. That's good. Mm. I like it that we finally uh, we finally come to the erotic portion. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for it. <laughs> I want to hold you in my arms. <laughs> the Madonna with the big boobies. <laughs> you don't like the tone of his remark. Oh. It's about oh. the jewels of Nabuti. The captain, who has been toying with a pen, drops it to the floor as though it were red hot. The jewels of Nabuti. He looks across to the other officers in the room. The Jews and the booty, what a curse they are to all who are involved with them. Like that was know, German. Them. <laughs> not, Go on, Keith, you're doing Europe well. is a small place. There may be some German-speaking... German... French-speaking anyway. Germans? Yes, that's the one. Speaking English? <laughs> Poorly. You're nervous, but... No wonder you... they get tangled up a little bit. <laughs> you're nervous, but you try to keep your cool. You tell the police that you suspect the diamond was slipped into your pocket by someone who's trying to frame you. It's a far-fetched story, but the police captain seems to believe you. To make sure, he calls Interpol, the international police. He jabbers in French, nodding his head. You understand what what he says, but don't let on. Then he turns to you and says, Interpol tells me that you are telling the truth. We would like to help you. The Jews of Nabuti are powerful, and those <laughs> who seek them can be dangerous. If you would like, we can provide you with a plainclothes detective. Or if you would prefer to go to Morocco alone. We can leave you a special phone number to call if danger threatens. If you accept the offer of the horribly speaking French police officer, <laughs> uh, turn to page 53. If you travel to Morocco alone but accept the special phone number, turn to page 54. Oh, company. I'm oh. up for company. Yeah, I think, uh, I think company is a good idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm scared. I require someone to hold me. To the rest <laughs> of the Although, if you take no company, you won't have to listen to me try that accent again. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Didn't they say that the, the plain clothes detective was actually a German, though? So <laughs> he may be. <laughs> Let's let the plot reveal itself. Or the... <laughs> so we're going with yeah. the uh, police protection. <laughs> Sounds like it. I don't do a good German, by the way. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, actually, I thought you sounded a little Austrian before, a bit uh, Arnie Schwarzenegger. So um, we'll see how we go. I thought we were kind of verging into Asian territory Ooh. towards the end of it too. Like it, it's possible. Mm. Just a, a quick tour of the globe. <laughs> a small, thin, nervous... A bit looking... like in these books. Yes. Uh, a small, thin, nervous-looking person is called in. They introduce him as Raoul Thierry, special detective in the smuggling and international crime division of the French Sûreté. Um, it's a very French-sounding name, but strangely... He's actually Spanish. He works with Interpol, the worldwide police network in cooperation with almost all countries in the pursuit of criminals. Raul says a little, but you are glad to have him with you. He says little, in fact. Uh, you sit alone with him working out a plan of action. He says, This could be my most interesting and perhaps my most dangerous case. <laughs> would you like to carry a gun? Perhaps you would need it. Ooh, that's bad. Uh, if you accept the offer of a weapon, turn to page 75. If you refuse to be armed because you do not believe in guns or killing, turn to page 78. And that's the 78. only reason. Yeah, that's the only reason you can refuse the gun because you don't believe in guns or killing. Not that if we accept the gun, it's inevitably going to be turned on us yeah. in the next, the next section. It's, it's really leaning towards the guns are bad, but is that what you want to go with? Um, or he's got a vote for that. Yes. 
I, I think uh, I think I agree. What do you, what's Laurie's uh, opinion? <laughs> <laughs> He's still weeping about the accents. <laughs> I just want to tell. Um, I just want to make it clear to our, our, um, our audience, if there's any left, that <laughs> ever diminishing. <laughs> Keith, Keith's profession is not voice actor, so please. <laughs> Forgive. It's easy to be confused, I'm sure, yeah. at this point. So please forgive any accidental offence you may, may incur. If I offend everyone, does that mean I don't offend anyone? <laughs> All right, yes, take the gun. No, 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 we were going against yeah, the gun. Yeah, there was two against the gun, I think, so... We, we're pacifists. And that oh. is not what you say. All right, then, softies. I don't know what's going to shoot the snake, but go on. Well, you were, you did grow up on a farm shooting and fishing, wasn't it? Hey, hey, no, that, that was my brother. I was the pacifist reading books and playing computer games. Watching mm-hmm. the cattle being taken by wolves every second day. It was a harsh life, but... <laughs> you don't like guns. Raul is upset that you won't take one, but it's up to you. He suggests lunch... Lunch in a little restaurant on the left bank because, according to him, I am not angry. I am just Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> according to him, it is always best to begin difficult tasks. Oh, he's gone. You've gone French as well. <laughs> Without the burden Where's of your, <laughs> your beautiful Spanish accent. <laughs> I couldn't couldn't keep the Spanish one up. The restaurant is named Albert's. It's pleasant. The food tastes good, and the owner is friendly. When the meal is done, you pick up the bill. At the bottom of the bill is written, "Leave by the back door. Turn left at Rue Pelican." Right at Rue Fujiru. Wait until you are contacted. RG. Raoul has gone to wash his hands. He does not return. You are alone. Do you follow the instructions in the note? If so, turn to page 101. If you wait for Raoul to return, turn to page 103. Oh, I, I sense a death here. There's a death looming. If you mm. wait for Raoul, or if you go... Well. You, you look, we're going to have to go with you on this one. You were right the first time. Mmm... RG could stand for Raging Goblin. Raging Goblin, Ravenous Goblin. I think uh, this whole thing could be a an awful ruse. Um, well, I am keen for actions. I will go with the note, even though I think it's going to kill us. Okay, I'm, I'm happy to go with that. I, I suspect uh, we're going to end up bleeding in a, a French gutter. <laughs> Alrighty, so because we refused the gun. Oh, hang on. Aren't we in Morocco now? I'm so lost. Yeah, I don't know where we are. No, Raul's our protection. I'm sure. He did offer us a gun, so he, he seems reliable. But but he could be dead in the bathroom. Oh, it's he? true. It's true. Hmm. He heard the accent for too long and just popped <laughs> <laughs> himself. Ah, uh, yeah. So let's follow the note. Following the note. Okay. So following the instructions, turn to page 101. You search for Raoul. The waiter who is busy wiping breadcrumbs off the tablecloth says he left in a hurry through the back door. You walk up and down Rue Frigere for more than half an hour. Then a car pulls to a stop. The window is rolled down. A hand slips out. A piece of paper flutters to the ground. Go to the Eiffel Tower. Take the elevator to the top. RG. Should you do this, you don't know who these people are. It's like a treasure hunt, but the results could spell D E A T H. <laughs> <laughs> if you go to the Eiffel Tower, turn to page 130. If you double back to the restaurant, turn to page 46. Mm. Let's go up the Eiffel Tower. In, in, that's my vote. It's Surely there's going to be people there. I'm with you. Surely surely it couldn't go wrong. And look, if all else fails, it's a beautiful view. On the way down. Rapidly. <laughs> I, I, I have a sinking sensation that that's going to... Okay. Once atop the Eiffel Tower, you look out on the beautiful city of Paris. In the slanting light of late afternoon, it sparkles like a thousand jewels. The sun is reflected from panes of glass. They shimmer like radiant gems for a minute, then the sun dips lower. The jewels of Nabuti were finally about beauty and peace, and beauty is all around us if we just look and really see. Touching. No. The end. No, no. This book is terrible. Yeah, that's this is this is some shit, man. uh, You know what? I reckon it was ghost written by uh, Franklin Dixon. (laughs) Franklin Dixon. Actually, yeah, he. This guy, um, R. A. Montgomery, was against people ghostwriting, but I don't see why. After reading this, he really should have been. (laughs) How many did he turn out? 
Um, he put out more than fifty of his own. Uh huh. I think that says it all. <laughs> yeah, he... I could do, I could do one or two of these a day, probably. <laughs> <laughs> he was. You know what? You could probably write it in a podcast. We could all come up with ridiculous endings in a round. There you go. Book done. Yeah, and probably actually that could be the topic of a future <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Instead of two pages per, I don't know, choice though, we might restrict it down. But that's a good idea. I feel like maybe maybe things have petered off. What, do you, what number in the series is the book? Uh, this is according to the front number four, but I'd, I think there's been several releases, and they, I think they've renumbered them with each release. So I don't think this is a, a number four. It doesn't uh, reek of four I, to me. Is that one released by Bantam Books? It's not. It's um, Scholastic. It's a, it's uh, a 2006 reissue. So, yeah, in the Bantam um, chronology, I don't think this is number four. If this yeah. was number four, I don't think there would have been a number five. <laughs> <laughs> I, I seem to remember, like, the original ones being a bit better than that, but maybe it's just my, I don't know, how old would we have been for these? Uh Maybe. Probably pretty little, I would have thought, like pre ten. Yeah, it was it was primary school for me. I remember getting them from the library. Yeah, right. Yep. So me too. sub sub twelve or less at least. So mm. maybe it's just you know their fond recollection. But I feel like you know, Cave of Time. I remember that being an awesome book. That was number one. That was number one. That was actually by Packard, the 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 guy that came up with the concept. So right, and this one isn't by him. No, this is by the guy that you know sold the concept effectively. I, I just I don't know about uh, these touchy sort of feely endings. It's that really are, are just, just nothing. Isn't the world a beautiful place? P.S. The story has yeah, ended unsatisfyingly, but but it doesn't matter. The crocodile's still my favourite. <laughs> yes, mine too. <laughs> I mean, the crocodile's been the line, uh, lone bright spot of excitement and action, <laughs> other than the. Uh, the muscular midget in a tracksuit. Right. Well, well, for me, I seem to remember them being, you know, death, 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 death. And after you've repeated that many times along various parts. Maybe one, yeah. Really good ending, yeah. Yeah. And it was like a struggle and you finally got there. Um, but this just seems like, yeah, you, you look out over France and you feel a bit warm and fuzzy and that's it. <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense either. No. Like, why was Raoul guiding us to the top of the Eiffel Tower? Is it so that we'd have an epiphany about how beautiful life and the universe is? And why and was the... he offering us a gun along the way? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was what was it? 1982 or 2006? It wasn't, uh, you know, Charlie Hebdo in January this year. No, it's it's really just. I think I'm going to have to. The story. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go to Paris and just find out. Stand on top of the Eiffel Tower, holding my jewels, and see what it feels like. <laughs> well, Matt, can you imagine if this, if this author, you know, had to go to go to Paris to do some research for this book? Yes, <laughs> maybe that's why it's in Paris. But you don't actually look out over that many windows. You look out and you look at um, terracotta chimneys, and you know that's about it. <sighs> Disappoint, Keith. It is. It is. Uh, well, we can go back and get the uh, the other option, or we can just burn this book. I think it's time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Am I a little bit sick for just kind of wanting to to know? Like, I kind of want, I don't want to hear it, but I want Keith to give me the book, and I want to like wring out all of its delicious juices. <laughs> I, want, I want to see like what every ending kind of entails. All right, Keith, how long have you got online that library book? Uh, this one is due back uh, on the 16th of July. Ah, uh, plenty of time. <laughs> Send it around. In the defence of uh, Ray Montgomery, the other one that I had a practice read through was a lot better than this. So it kind of gave me a bit of hope and this has just crushed that hope. You were supposed to lead us towards that one. That's your job as the host of this week's well, fabulous episode. I actually <laughs> left it out because of the accents I did. It's hard to believe, but they were worse than that. <laughs> I think we need to pull out this book. No. I think we need to start oh, the recording man. again. I, I yeah. don't want to offend anyone else. <laughs> yeah, with enough foreign nationals are like turning you off, reporting you to the Human Rights Commission. <laughs> Uh, all right, Keith. Let's um, let's hear your interesting fact. Did you have any beyond the ones you've already given us? Uh, just a just a little bit. There's there's one of the titles which was by Edward Packard. It's called Inside UFO Fifty Four Forty, and I think it's pretty basically it's it's cruelty to children because this 
book actually had uh, it wasn't possible to to have the desired outcome through any of the traditional paths. You couldn't turn to page whatever and have the ending. It was just there, but not accessible. The, <laughs> the only way to get to it was just randomly flicking through the book and reading each page. No way! It's ridiculous. I don't understand. Like that's just torture. awesome. So someone had a. So it just makes you go round and round and round, or you just die in every. Oh wow! Yeah, I think you just die. No, I think (laughs) I don't think it's a a cyclic sort of thing. I think you just die in every in every outcome. Maybe there was a scenario where, like, he had this massive, you know, like where those um, when the detectives are trying to solve a crime and they've got the bits of string leading off in different directions. He's done the full mapping of all the paths and he's got all the pages and the editors yelling at him from the other side of the room. (laughs) I need this book by Monday, and he just takes the string that points towards towards like the golden chalice or something at the end. He just snip. <laughs> Possibly. And then they pass it off later as some kind of mystical, you know, intentional activity. I don't know. It's, it's just, I think as a child, it would have been torturous to read that and try to get to that ending and not be able to get there. It's like, am I missing something? Is this a misprint? What's going on here? And what do you do at that point? Do you actually just read every single page to try and figure out if there is a positive ending in there somewhere? You'd have to. That's what I actually did, I think. I, I would read pretty much everything. I would I would flick through and, um, as I said, ring ring out those delicious juices. <laughs> and I, but but I would have I would have had my fingers in every option. Like I would have had I would have had trouble holding the book trying to to pinpoint every decision. And then eventually I would just be like I've died in every situation. And yeah, something's maybe, wrong here. That's what bookmarks are for. Bookmarks. I seem to remember some that. Um, you had to like keep track of character stats or something as well, and like occasionally roll a dice. Ah, uh, yeah, they were great. There was a couple. There was one called Fighting Fantasy, I think, um, and there was another one that was Steve Jackson, who was a pretty popular fantasy slash um, game designer, I think. Um, and some of them are really good. I can't remember which series it was. It's called like um, Battle Quest or something Quest, and and you had a talking sword named. Uh, Frederick. No, Pip or something like that. Or maybe your name was Pip. Pip. That's much more intimidating. <laughs> no, I think your name was Pip. And, um, oh, and Is you that had what a sword... you've named your swords? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. The sword was called Exc- Excalibur Jr. And he was a real smart <laughs> hey, that's what my... Oh, God. Never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they were great, but uh, they were a bit harder. I think they were, uh, you know, a few years older than Choose Your Own Adventure because, yeah, you had to keep track of armour, class and health. Yeah, I I think I did a few of those, and you know you'd like fight the the rabid gopher um, in the cave or whatever, and it would tell you to lose three hit points, and I would kind of be like, oh, well, we'll see. About that. <laughs> <laughs> three? Maybe, maybe we'll lose one hit point. I remember playing early computer games that was a similar concept, where you know you'd go along to the castle and you'd have three choices, and you'd sort of follow one through, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Yeah, like, that... uh, on the good old mix. black and green screen. Like MUDs. Do you remember MUDs? Uh, they, were, they were much later, though. That, there's, there's, there's the text adventures um, yeah, that's as well, where you'd say, enter the house or open the blind. Yeah. You'd have to type it in. But then later on, yeah, MUDs were populated with um, people, multi-user dungeons. So you'd have yeah, lots that, of people in there, yeah. That's the one. I, uh, there were a couple of, um, like, David Eddings-inspired MUDs and things that I briefly um had a look at but they were they were pretty uninspiring i burnt up a couple of hundred dollars of very expensive rural internet um playing a star wars one (laughs) (laughs) the dark ages we got a bill because i've been playing this game so much we got a bill for like 130 dollars and 60 cents and dad was like livid and then we got a bill for 130 dollars and 50 cents he's like oh we've got we've already got this bill (laughs) and i had to go oh Actually, Dad. <laughs> it's going down, though, Dad. Come on. <laughs> I'm getting better. Yeah, yeah they, they were good times. If you guys were going to try and modif- modernise the Choose Your Own Adventures, how would you? Could you? What would you do? I think they Put have. a laptop with a, with a midget. <laughs> 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 Nothing else. Everything else the same. There is actually a really good series of video games. Um, they, it's by a company called Telltale, um, and they do um, 
it's pretty much choose your own adventure. You, it's, it's, there's a few action sequences, but um, for example, there's one based on The Walking Dead, and all of the decisions that you make throughout the series, and they're sort of um, done in episodes. Um, and they were sort of released one by one, and eventually um, you could just buy them all as one. But um, you make a choice very early on that might affect, um, you know, how characters um, perceive you later on. Like you choose whether or not to rescue someone from under a tractor, um, and if you don't rescue them, then somebody else dies, like another child or something, and then the parents of that child will hate you or love you, depending on whether you rescued that child. And um, they're they're quite well written. Um, There's one for... Mm. For The Walking Dead, and there's another one for um, a pretty popular um, comic book series called Fables, which is about um, fantasy characters living in New York, um, fairy tale characters, mm. um, and a few others. And and I, I think that's kind of the modern choose-your-own-adventure. Presumably you can save just before you make that decision so you can you know flick back to that page. Or that... <laughs> no. Sometimes the, uh, the choices don't actually manifest until like two or three episodes further into the series. Okay. So you, you mm. can't, like, unless you're willing to invest an awful lot of time, it, it doesn't really make sense to flick back. Yep, you've made your bed. Um, yeah. What about yeah. if I... you were uh, doing a choose-your-own movie, Sitting in an audience, and everybody gets to vote on the next choice. Oh, well, that was going to be my interesting fact. So that they oh, <laughs> bad luck. oh, stolen, go stolen. On, go on then. I I think Bree had independently invented this concept. <laughs> for you, so I, I think you're the only one who has oh, the fact. All right, all right, I'll, I'll do it. There was um, in '67, there was a Czechoslovakian. Czechoslovakian director. That's some good pronunciation um, right there. That did, released a movie called Kino Automat, and it was in Montreal, and it um, allowed people to vote on the outcome. Um, did you say in the 60s? Yeah, yeah. So they like hefting like reels I think of so, film yeah. onto the projector. Like, but <laughs> just give us 10 minutes and we'll get your choice. <laughs> a, a bit That's later. as long as it took me sometimes. At a, intermission. <laughs> yeah. A bit later on, though. Um, uh, it would happened in a much bigger way. That was just during like a World Trade Fair type thing. Um, during '92, um, they kitted out a cinema with um, on the seats. There was like a, a joystick that had three buttons, um, like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire buttons. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. And the entire audience. I think you can get in for like three American dollars, and you could sit down and watch the movie as many times as you like. But you know, you you had to vote for the endings. Um, and it. The movie was called I'm Your Man, and it was shot over six she days. <laughs> <laughs> it was shot over six days, and apparently none of the scenes required a second take, according to the director. Sounds quality. <laughs> required or been budgeted for. So that was in 1992, <laughs> and by 1994, all joysticks had been stripped out of the cinema and had been reverted back to a normal cinema. <laughs> so it wasn't a roaring success, no. I like these uh, books, strangely. Some of the complaint, <laughs> complaints included um, their, people would rush aclo- across to empty seats um, and just, you know, do multi-votes. Oh, gaming the system. Yeah, yeah. I respect their initiative, though. Um, Good on them. And Little scamps. Secondly, which is probably the bigger problem and probably why it never took off, is um, that having to pause and choose an outcome ruins the... Um, Continuity. Uh, yeah, you just... Flow. Yeah, exactly. The suspension of disbelief is rudely interrupted by having to make a decision um, and, I guess, wait for everybody else to make the decision and then roll on. So, um, Plus, I also assume that shooting six films instead of one film probably isn't too cost-effective for a gimmick that never proved to be popular. So mm. that was yeah, it. That, was it. that being said... Well, that was a fascinating fun fact. That being said... The Choose Your Own Adventure um, series has been optioned by Sony and John Davis um, and John Fox, John Davis being responsible for such um, amazing movies as Chronicle, Predator and iRobot, they're going to be producing a new Choose Your Own Adventure movie. So, And it's going to be written by the folks that did Night at the Museum. 
So I've pre-ordered my gold class tickets. <laughs> and is it based on Boss Jules of the Booty? <laughs> <laughs> the, the movie ends ten minutes in just with the message they we should just be happy with life. Like, forget wow, this is you great. <laughs> no, who cares crocodiles, about the jewels, crocodiles. Really? So I, I don't really know how that that will work. Like, it's kind of interesting to see whether or not they do a time-travelling kind of gimmick in the movies, like the plot device is something that lets them jack, uh, jump back 10 minutes. Um, but apparently the, there might be a series of movies and the movies will span across the different locations that the books are randomly set in. So. We could, uh, they could do sort of Edge, is it Edge of Tomorrow, that Tom Cruise one? Yeah, well, that was my, my kind of mm. thought. Yeah, you would jump back um, like Edge of Tomorrow, but, yeah, no details have been released yet, so... I kind of think I'd be disappointed if I didn't have a hand in choosing an ending of some description. Uh, I think that's kind of half the fun and half the joy and half the, yeah, half the excitement of being able to have a choose your own. So how does it work without I'd, that? Well, exactly. What, do they show you three different endings across three different movies that they've optioned? I don't know. Well, I, th- I, think, I think Pat's probably on the noggin there. That they Have you seen Edge of Tomorrow? No. Okay, so a guy gets covered in alien juice and suddenly when he dies he can go back in time to a certain point and try again. Mm. And this repeats across the... It's a really good movie. Um, Mm. So I suspect that's the kind of thing that they would do. Unless they just use the name and go hell for leather on just making a kids' adventure movie maybe. Mm. I think, yeah, use the name is, is the key there like they did with that Battleship movie. What battleship cash, movie? Cashing in on people's childhood. What battleship movie? They made a battleship movie with Rihanna. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, didn't didn't watch it. I, I like I like how you're laughing so much at the just like the absurdity the of that concept. Like I didn't. I just stated the fact that this exists. It was a blockbuster, like a big budget blockbuster. Wow. Well, it was a blockbuster in budget. I mean, well, yeah. About like, <laughs> success or quality. Uh, all right. Um, I think uh, the self-publishing market has kind of kept the, the Choose Your Own Adventures going too. I know there's a couple of programs that you can use um, to make Choose Your Own Adventure books for Kindle and stuff, I think. And I actually read a few pages of one that's like a, or I read a review of it that was a, sort of an erotic Ooh. comedy. Um, it was like um, it was the know, jewels the, of Nobuti. That's right. That's what it said on the back of the booty. <laughs> it, it was. Uh, it was actually really good. It's like you know the the woman in like sheer black lingerie beckons you from the other room and um, do you want to follow her in or leave? And, you know, and you follow her in and she jumps on you and starts tearing your face off. And holy <laughs> shit, she's a vampire! How did you notice this before? Uh, the end. <laughs> that does sound really good when you put so it that way. I, we'll have a link up on uh, on Twitter for that book if anyone wants to be sure. <laughs> What's the author's name? Is it Patrick Bernichand? <laughs> I wish. I wish I'd had the foresight to, to write that piece of beautiful fiction. Uh, um, does anyone else have any uh, facts? Like to share? I did actually download one of the Choose Your Own Adventures new versions onto the iPad and it actually works quite well. So you can actually select a link at the bottom of each page and it will just, you know, flick you backwards and forwards. And I'm still quite excited to sort of hear, you know, what happens next to flick backwards. And they helpfully provide you with a very convoluted map. So that you can, if you're going back to page 34, you can see that you can actually connect through to page 50 or 49. Um, yeah, I think it still works as, in terms of an, of an ebook. And so if, if you die, is there like the equivalent of the, the finger between the pages that you can sort of <laughs> just jump back to the, the awful decision that you made and retry? No, you can't. No, you can't use your finger in concept in this one, unfortunately. <laughs> but you can use that. Map to go back to the, the decision. You is can that, use the map to go yeah. backwards and forwards. Yeah, that's right. And you can see where you've gone wrong. And it looks like from here, the shortest the shortest number of pages you can read is about four before death or, you know, winning the game. And then it goes right through to a, probably around about 12 different options that you can select. You'd hope you wouldn't win with four pages. That would be really cheap if yeah. you were. Like, we, what did we do? Like, is what we just did... Classed as winning. I'm hoping it's not. Same? I'm hoping that's not the win. There's got to be something better than that. What What's the title for that one? Is it a Is it a, re- a reprint of one of the originals? 
uh, I'm not sure. It's called Journey to Atlantis, which sounds familiar. Yeah, I think that is a, a, an original. So there's no um, yeah, R. A. Montgomery, presumably. Mm. Yeah, R. A. No, Montgomery. Not, <laughs> no, Montgomery. So was your lingerie book anything about Mr. Gray? Is that the <laughs> no? I was similar I was quality. Um, they're, similar they're sort of quality? getting tangled up in my mind. But, uh, <laughs> I, I have been enjoying the reviews of of Gray, but perhaps that's for another, another time. <laughs> So do we do we want to score this book? I don't think we really can adequately score it. I think Patrick needs to um, really, as he puts it, what, what was it? You had to ring the uh, ring the juices, ring the juices from, it. from it before you can score it. But anyone else want to offer up a score to this adventure? Yeah, Bree, can you run us through the um, the rating system? Well, in every other week except this week, the idea is that we come up with a variety of options A, B, or C. I'm proposing. Highly original, uh, and we can agree or disagree on the quality of the novel. So, I think you had some example options, though. What were the the original ones? Uh, So, A would be look. It's it would stand on my bookshelf proudly um, against my mint edition Roald Dahl um, autographed copy of Going Going Solo. The other one is that it can just wow. go. I know. How good is that? <laughs> that that is fantastic. <laughs> Who autographed it? <laughs> Who autographed Bruce the Dad. first edition? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Wow. <laughs> um, I can't even remember what the second options options were. I think they were. Was it not specific to the the book? It was. I was going to make them up specific to the book, but as I haven't actually read the remainder of the Choose Your Own Adventure, perhaps we could come up with some. Would you buy this book in paper format? That's your first one. Not a chance. Not a chance. Libraries are great for that. So this is going straight back to the library or it may take a detour via Pat, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I wouldn't buy those books again. Um, I'm quite content with the contemporary versions of them in um, adventure computer games. I'm quite content with the memory of them, yeah. of, you know, sitting in the library and thumbing backwards and forwards to try and figure out my favourite ending. I think I'm in the same boat. I, mm. I think my memories are infinitely better than than the reality turns out to be. But I think I, I can't see this being, you know, the jewel in the crown of, uh, of Montgomery. So I've got a couple more here, so I might just, just give myself a chance to go through one or two of them and, and see whether uh, we sold ourselves short with this choice. Maybe maybe we could circle back to the concept if you find one that's just primo choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah, I might try and get my hands on one of the really early ones maybe and see if they are a bit better or maybe one of Packard's, but yeah, this wasn't a great experience. Mm. I'm not sure that the uh, the Hardy Boys episode will ever um, see the light of day, listeners, um, but it is, <laughs> it is possible, team, that this was the book one of the Hardy Boys, uh, you know... It, in um, comparison to the Holy Gland that was book 10. So, yeah, that's, that's possible. <laughs> I mean, they, well, they went Laurie, with a catchy title. Well, Laurie, you'll have to let us know because we haven't read book 10. <laughs> As we're reminded every time we speak to you. <laughs> the barrier of one through nine seems sort of insurmountable to me at this point as well. Uh, yeah. I don't think he even read one through nine. He just went straight to ten. So I did. Yeah, <laughs> cheaped out. He, he, it's the equivalent of going straight to the ending and choose your own adventures. I don't know if it's copacetic to uh, yeah to to go straight to the holy land. Out of uh, a possible, how many books in total are there, Keith? Uh, there's 185 titles in the original run. I think there are some more recently published ones, uh, but yeah, 185. That's a lot of fantastical endings. Like that's some serious work right there. Yeah. Do you think that the author, perhaps it was just the setting, like there was, it was all very mundane. It's like go complain to the, you get caught by the police, you go complain to the um, the embassy, blah, blah. It was all pretty boring apart from the crocodile. Do you think maybe some of the other settings, you know, you get whisked away to a medieval fantasy world or, or aliens invade the planet, maybe it was just the story that was, um, you know, the setting was a bit bland. I actually don't remember that much about there being aliens or exciting creatures. I actually just think it was a lot of burly men, midgets, different types of plays on humans rather than actually monsters and such. I don't know, maybe maybe I'm maybe they were just the ones that I was drawn to in the library. I don't know, but Right. Um 
I don't recall aliens. Anyone else? Yeah, I think there is a science fiction slant to some of them. Maybe that's the Packard titles based on that UFO one. Maybe he's the one that had that, yeah. that different sort of approach. Um, there was one alien one that I do remember a little bit. Um, Earth gets invaded by these sort of pink skin, uh, hairless aliens that look a bit frog-like, I think, um, from the cover. And they they would eat money? Um, so I don't remember if the plot of the book was to avoid having any cash on you whatsoever, but they would. I think on the cover of the book they were walking around um, stuffing green dollar bills into their mouth, etc. So, yeah, there are at least one. <laughs> that sounds intriguing. Mm. Mm. That sounds like the one Written, we should have like, chosen. Shortly after an acrimonious, uh, shortly after an acrimonious divorce or <laughs> yes. something, and <laughs> his, his thinly veiled metaphors for his bitterness. <laughs> Looks like a frog. I haven't seen any pictures of his wife, so. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, thanks so much for listening to another Seeking Tumnus. Big thanks to Keith uh, for those wondrous accents. Many apologies to everyone offended. <laughs> and um, a special thanks because we haven't said it yet, um, Patrick, for the the intro tune that you all heard. Well done. Fantastic. Next week Thank we'll you. be battling head to head with a contemporary juggernaut uh, by Suzanne Collins, The Hunger Games. Um, so until then, follow us on Twitter at Seeking Tumnus and feel free to give us your uh, favourite Choose Your Own Adventure memories. Um, you can grab previous episodes on iTunes and Android alternatives. Until then, keep reading and remain vigilant for pines in your wardrobe. I'm still seeking Um, show our jewels and be well on our way to a happy ending. Yeah. But that uh, it didn't really seem to be the case. <laughs> That's uh, all it takes. <laughs> uh, I don't know why they bothered writing erotic fiction. They should have just gone as the, as they were. It's all written on the page. <laughs> to be enjoyed by kids and adults alike. <laughs>